Nehemiah chapter 2 verses uh, 1 to 9. Nehemiah chapter 2, 1 to 9. And I want to talk uh, this morning about dreams, particularly God-given dreams. Uh, dreams or a dream that, that God gives you. And um, we saw last week how uh, Nehemiah's relative had come back from from uh, promised land from Jerusalem and Nehemiah asked them, how, how are they doing there? Not good, he says. And uh, four months later, um, it's still sitting in Nehemiah's heart what, uh, what God wants to do, what God intends to do through him. It's like God planted this dream in his heart. It won't go away. And some of you here, God has planted dreams in your hearts. And it's it's not just a a fantasy, it's like a dream. And it's from God. It's a dream God has put in your heart. And it won't go away. Uh, When I was um, school teaching and, and doing some relief teaching, and uh, I had this dream. It wasn't a God-given dream, but I'll tell you about it anyway. And uh, I was relieving. and uh, But not just relief teaching one class, I was teaching two classes. And instead of doing the sensible thing and saying, sorry, I'll double book myself, uh, I tried to do both in the same day. And so what I was doing, I'd spend half an hour in one class and then jump in my car and rush over to the other school and spend half an hour in the other class and I did that all day and I woke up in a sweat and I said to I said to one of my uh, colleagues at one of the school I said um, you know but the, the thing was I was doing okay I was handling it and he said yeah Carl you, you're a good teacher in your dreams <laughs> uh, but this is a God given dream Let's read this, Nehemiah chapter 2, 1 to 9. In the month of Nisan, the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but the sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried, 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 lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried, so that I can rebuild it. Then the king with the queen sitting next to him asked me, How long will your journey take, and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, If it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates, so they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the royal park, So he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. 
And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. And Lord, we ask you to speak to us from your word today. And the dreams that you have put in our heart that are from you. Lord, you'd bring them about. You would birth the dream. Birth the dreams that are from you. Make them come out and, and live and be reality. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And um, there's some essential elements to giving birth to a dream that comes from God. It just doesn't come out. You know, there's some essential elements. I want to say um, in this passage, we're going to look at five. And the first one is the eternal. The eternal. And that's God. Verse 4 says, I prayed to the God of heaven and answered the king. I prayed to the God of heaven and answered the king. I prayed to the God of heaven and answered the king. And verse 8. And because the gracious hand of God was upon me, the king granted my request. Uh, the hand of God was upon me. You know, God is involved in the dream. God is involved in the dream. God had given the dream to Nehemiah, the building, the rebuilding of Jerusalem, and the regathering of the people of God. And back in chapter 1, verse 4, he had fasted and prayed. And, and chapter 2, verse 4 here, there was a, like a split-second prayer. I prayed and answered the king. You know, God is involved in the dream. Uh, and even in the agreement of the king, verse 8, Nehemiah sees that God is at work. God is at work. You know, and the first thing is this, is that uh, the eternal needs to be involved in the birthing of the dream. It needs to stay involved. And that might seem self-explanatory. But you know what? It's really easy, even when God gives you the dream, is to leave God on the side. Of the dream. That happens. You know what? That happens a lot. <laughs> you know, um, God gives a dream for something. You know, for a ministry, for uh, a building, for a vehicle, for a staff member, for this or that. And God gives a dream. And then in pursuit of the dream, God gets left on the side. That can happen. That does happen. Uh, is a wonderful mission organization called YWAM. And the founder was a man called Lauren uh, Cunningham. And in the book that he wrote called uh, Is That Really You, God? He writes about when this happened to them. And God had given them this dream in YWAM of having a boat that would travel around the Pacific and be a base for spreading the word of God and for ministering to the people, to serving uh, needs. And um, and there was this dream put in the hearts, and um, people were into it. You know, they they gave up their jobs, and money came in, and they started looking for boats. It seemed like the boat that was suitable was the one in New Zealand. It's called uh, the Maori, and um, people were praying, fasting, coming to Wellington, 1973, and then all of a sudden it went quiet. 
money stopped coming. Things it seemed like nothing was happening. And in the book, Lauren Cunningham uh, says what happened. What, he had this dream, and in the dream, all the people involved in the project were uh, worshipping. But actually, they were worshipping the boat. And also in the dream, there was Jesus. And Jesus was on the side, getting ignored. I just want to say, uh, in giving birth to the dream, keep the eternal involved. Keep God involved. Keep praying. Even when he's given you the dream, just don't charge off. But just whatever way you can, keep God involved in the dream. The eternal. That's a key element. The second one is the internal. The internal. Thing, there can be things that are inside of you that can hold you back. Uh, personality things, temptations, weaknesses, past experiences or hurts, insecurities. And for Nehemiah, uh, verse 2, it is fear. And often it's fear, isn't it? God tells you something and then, whoa. I can't do that, or we can't do that, that is not possible. For Nehemiah was fear, I was very much afraid, he says. I was very much afraid. Uh, I was very much afraid. Some of Nehemiah's fear uh, would have been due to the fact that the enemies actually, it says in the book of Ezra, uh, had got Artaxerxes to stop the rebuilding of the wall at a, at a previous time. And so uh, Nehemiah probably knew this, that uh, Artaxerxes king, Artaxerxes had already been stopped, but God had given this dream, and it wouldn't go away. So I just want to say, uh, deal with the internal. When God gives you a dream, you know, there's things that can stop it happening, you can stop the, the, the birth of the dream. Deal with it. Whatever it is, deal with it. And that might take prayer. It uh, might take counselling. It might take um, other things. Things that will take you, you know, the, the possibility of them taking you off track. Deal with the things internally uh, that can waylay you from giving birth to the dream. So there's an eternal, there's an internal. And thirdly, intellectual. By this I mean being uh, clever or diplomatic or prudent. You know, it may not be necessary for you to be dumb to give birth to the dream. You know, God might have given you something inside of here that's actually going to help you in giving birth to the dream. Verse 3 and 5. Nehemiah refers to the place he wants to go as what? Is the city where my fathers are buried. Well, what's that? That is Jerusalem. <laughs> but he didn't say Jerusalem. And probably he was being astute here. Probably he was being diplomatic. Probably what he wanted to do was uh, describe his distress as personal rather than political. Because after all, this is King Artaxerxes, king of the Persians. The Persians who replaced the Babylonians who overtook Israel. You know, 
It's not wrong to use this. It's not wrong to use the intellectual, what God has given you here, to give birth to the dream. That might be part of it. So there's the eternal, the internal, the intellectual, and fourthly, the fraternal. Fraternal means uh, uh, the brotherly, the group of of brothers. And we see here, not only was uh, Artaxerxes there, but the queen. <laughs> and, and often in giving birth to the dream, you don't just do it by yourself. There's a group. And even if God uh, gives it to you, there, there, most often I've seen, there's a group that comes around you and supports you in giving birth to the dream. And uh, sometimes it's really surprising who those supporters are. You know, here it was King Artaxerxes, the Persian king of all people. <laughs> uh, the enemy of the people of Israel, one of the enemies of the people of Israel. Isn't that amazing? Uh, verse 4 and 6, King says, What is it you want? What is it you want? What is it you want? Uh, I heard this interesting story a few years ago of uh, a man by the name of Petrus Sugdeo, and he has a ministry supporting persecuted Christians in Muslim lands. And uh, lives in, he's based in England, but travels a lot. And England at this stage was trying to bring in this rule which uh, this uh, legislation that would is called something like the anti-hate uh, legislation, and in it, it was going to make it illegal for people to bring to speak against different religions, uh, which will really limit the debate about truth. <laughs> so you could say uh, Islam says this, uh, Christianity says that. And that could get you in jail if this legislation was brought in. And so um, Patrick Dayo, amongst others, started a campaign to, to try and limit this legislation. Uh, but very few people supported him. And he had this meeting. And one of the few people who turned up was Rowan Atkinson. <laughs> Mr. Bean. <laughs> and... Uh, the reason was, uh, Mr. Bean said that um, if you take uh, religion out of the conversation in, in, in the community and out of our jokes, you know, laughing about something is wrong is one of the ways of dealing with it, eh? And so uh, Mr. Bean become one of the main advocates to oppose this law. And it, sometimes it's, it's amazing. Those that will support you in a dream that God has given you, you would not believe it. To have people come alongside you in birthing a dream, often you need a track record. And I think one of the reasons is that King Artaxerxes would was going to support him is that he knew Nehemiah. He knew he was a good guy. He knew he was trustworthy. He knew he was a man of his word. He knew he was a hard worker. So, in birthing your dream, and you want to gather a team around you, are you worthy of support? 
can they actually see that there's something in you that's worthy of support? And for the, not everyone is it for them to to give birth to a dream. There's some people that uh, what God gives them, the, the kind of the grace, the ministry they give them is the support of other people's dreams. And I want to say, if that is you, ah, fantastic. If that is you, way to go. If that is you, God bless you and thank you. Because without you, the dreams would not happen. You know, without Artaxerxes, the dream would have not got bankrolled. And for some of you, it's as simple as your actual ability to make money and give money. For others, it's, it's just saying, well done, for clapping, for cheering, uh, for making meals, for phoning people up. You know, if that is you, if you're a, a Barnabas or a Mark or a Timothy, don't underestimate that role in giving birth to the dream. Uh, one of the things of the fraternal is sometimes you actually have to say a hard word. And you have to say, actually, you know that dream you have? Uh, I don't actually think that is from God. <laughs> I don't actually think you should pursue that. That may not be right. I don't think that you should carry on in that. Uh, it's kind of a hard thing to say, but it needs to be said sometimes. And, you know, some some people just go down a fantasy and they call it a dream from God, but it's not. We had a hard time, a uh, hard situation where we had a lady in Auckland in our cell group, in our house group, and it was at Bible College. She always had this dream of being an overseas missionary. Trouble was, she did not have great interpersonal relationships. She would just always kind of dominate the conversation. She just would have given take. And um, international students would, she would sort of hang around as international students because they were so polite, they would put up with her, but the Kiwis wouldn't. <laughs> and, and therefore she thought she had a kind of calling to, to overseas mission, but really she didn't. And um, we did a church involvement week for a week, and there was a pastor that, who was the pastor of the church. He said, this lady here, she is not to go out on the mission field. She will be a disaster. I've seen it before. She does not have the right personality, the right gifts. <laughs> and so uh, it kind of fell on us and another cell group leader to, um, to tell her, you know, that dream... It's not right. It's not from God. That's not for you. And the funny thing is, as we told her that, she kind of had this relief. <laughs> she kind of felt that's what she had to do. And in the end, she ended up as, I think, as sort of a caregiver, which was just much, much more suited to who she was, who she is. So, the, you know, part of the fraternal, part of the body is, you know, confirming or even denying people's dreams. Um, and don't be afraid if you need to do that. So there's the eternal, the internal, the intellectual, the fraternal, and the last one is the se sequential. The steps, the details, the sequential of giving birth to the dream. Verse 7 and to 9. And um, this outlines it. The different steps 
that Nehemiah had to do to give birth to the dream. Had to get the letters, had to get the horses, uh, had to get the wood, had to get the permission. And you know, the trouble with this, with the sequential, it's part of a dream, but it can feel often like it's not, that you're kind of just banging away at working out the plan. God, are you really in this? And I'll tell you, yes, he is. Yes, he is, even in the sequential, in the working out the the, the details, the planning, the meetings, the resources, you know, that is part of giving birth to the dream as well. Uh, we we came from a mission called SIM. Raymond's going to go with them for a couple of months. And it's quite an old, crusty sort of mission. It's, it's very sequential in the way it, it does things. Um, crosses all the T's, etc. And um, and it's frustrating at times. But we saw the other side of that because in uh, Wagadugu in the capital they had a we had a mission base. And every now and again you'd get people turning up on the doorsteps that had followed a dream <laughs> but they hadn't followed a sequence. And they'd turn up and they had no uh, no cultural understanding. They had no language, either, either uh, the government language, French, or local languages. Um, they, they had no mosquito nets, and they kept getting malaria. Uh, they had no prophylaxis. They didn't know about the sicknesses. You know, they hadn't followed the sequence. And there was one girl, and um, uh, people went to a house. She was really struggling, you know, and sometimes the young girls that turn up I thought, oh, I want to go to the mission field. Turn up and um, walk around in, in hot pants and wonder why I was driving the local man crazy. And uh, she was one of them. And um, and but she was struggling in all sorts of ways. And, and some other friends turned up to her apartment where she was and found a note and says, "When you find this note, I've gone back to the states because I've had enough." <laughs> and and I just want to say that. Birthing the dream. As you give birth to the dream, there might be just a whole lot of steps along the way. And don't get um, fatigued by that. Just do what you've got to do to give birth to the dream. The, the eternal, the internal, the intellectual, the fraternal, and the sequential. Alright? Um, just want to do this. Some of you already have a dream that you feel is from God in your hearts. Some of you already have a dream or dreams from God that's in your heart. And what we're going to do, we're just going to, um, if that's you, we're going to get you to stand up and those around you uh, will pray for you. And um, some of you might have a, a little word or something and uh, that's okay. And uh, you might have more than one dream and that's okay. So if that's you, just stand up and we're going to just do some body ministry here and just um, just pray for those people. If you have a dream that you feel God has given you, just stand up where you are. You don't need to come forward. And and uh, let's, let's gather around those people. Maybe even let's just pray a moment and then you feel, if you have a word or something you want to say to those people, just go and start um, praying for them. Okay, let's pray now. Thank you, Lord, that uh, you do give birth 
you still give birth to dreams. You still give your people dreams of what you want to do. What you want to do. And Lord, as we pray for these people and others that are here, uh, Lord, help us to, um, to follow what is in your mind, what is in your heart, for your glory and your kingdom. Amen. Okay. Let's um, stand around these people and pray. If there's anyone else, don't be afraid. Just, just uh